God, keep showing us what it means to follow you. And maybe someday we will get it. But thank you for your grace along the way. Amen. Whenever I hear or read the text that Judy read for us today, I always think of something. Actually, I always think of someone. This text was preached in February of 1968 by the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. It was the last sermon he would preach in his home church, in the Ebenezer Baptist Church in Atlanta, two months to the day before he would be killed in Memphis. Uh, Dr. King is uh, a personal hero of mine. Um, I admire his writings. I admire his uh, strength. I admire his witness that continues on today. And every time I hear this text, I think of him. I was tempted to read a whole bunch of his sermon on that day. But I'm not going to do it, even though I am going to do a little bit. But before I do that, I want to focus a little bit of the part that that takes place before Dr. King starts. The the first part of our reading today was not what Dr. King preached on, but I wanted to include it in our reading. I want to kind of catch you up on where we've been. Our reading this week immediately follows our reading from last week. And last week was the story of a a man that comes to Jesus and asks about um, what must I do to inherit eternal life. And and Jesus says and mentions the commands. And the guy says, well, I follow them. And he says, well, one thing you lack, go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and then come and follow me. And it says the man went away sad because he had a lot of riches. And then Jesus said, how hard it is for the rich to enter into the kingdom of God. And then he says, it'd be easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it will be for a rich person to enter the kingdom. Those were hard words. And as I talked about last week, the church has done a lot of dancing around that to try to explain it away. But those are the words that Jesus And then today, we get to another hard task. Jesus, once again, talks about what's going to happen to him. It's the third time he's done this. The first time he did it was, as the text says in chapter 8, that Jesus begins to, to set his face to go to Jerusalem. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. In the very next chapter, he arrives in Jerusalem. And when he arrives in Jerusalem, he arrives with a great parade of palms. On that day, we call Palm Sunday. A few days later, he was killed on a cross. This is the third time that Jesus has has warned or tried to prepare his disciples for what is going to happen to him. And today, it's a lot more blunt than it had been before. The Son of Man will be handed over to the chief priests and scribes. They'll condemn him to death, and then they'll hand him over to the Gentiles. That's brand new. Of the three predictions, this is the first time the Gentiles, the Roman army, comes into play. 
And then he gets very descriptive for the first time. They'll mock him and spit upon him and flog him and kill him. And after three days, he'll rise again. It's the third time Jesus has tried to tell his disciples what's going to happen to him as he's going on the road to Jerusalem, and they never seem to get it. They don't get it this time either. They don't get that Jesus' road ahead is a place of suffering and death, rejection. He speaks of drinking from the cup that Jesus will drink from and being baptized with the baptism that Jesus will be under, undertaking. And those symbols there of cup and, and baptism are symbols of the suffering that lies ahead. But the disciples just don't get it. And James and John offer up an example of how they don't get it. Because as soon as Jesus gets through talking about this, they ask Jesus for um, positions. They want to sit at his right hand and his left hand when he enters into his glory. Now, glory is not a big word that we use today, so let's substitute something else. We kind of get a sense of what they're talking about, though. Glory, a position of power or, or prestige. They want a place of fame and honor, distinction. When Jesus enters into his high place, they want to be right beside him. In reply, Jesus tells them, fellas, you don't know what you're talking about. And he goes on to tell them that he's not the one that makes those decisions. That's going to be up to somebody else. And then how ironic in the long run to look back at who the people were that was beside Jesus when he went into his glory. At his right and his left were two thieves who died on the crosses beside Jesus' cross. We go on to read in our reading that when the other disciples hear what James and John had asked for, it says they become angry with him. Now I wonder why they became angry. I think perhaps one reason is that they're jealous. Because James and John had beat them to that. Because obviously, you know, they would have liked to have, you know, there were 12 of them. So, you know, they would like to be one of the top ones. So maybe they're jealous that James and John beat them to it. Or maybe they put on an air of disgust that, 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 that they would actually ask for something like that, for being so selfish. But now I want to read from Dr. King's sermon for a little bit. Now, very quickly, we would automatically condemn James and John, and we would say that they are selfish. Why would they make such a selfish request? But before we condemn them too quickly, let us look calmly and honestly at ourselves. We will discover that we too have those same basic desires for recognition, for importance, that same desire for attention, that same desire to be first. We must understand that we have some of the same James and John qualities. There is deep down with all, within all of us an instinct. It's kind of a drum major instinct. 
a desire to be out front, a desire to lead the parade, a desire to be first, and it's something that runs the whole gamut of life. The drum major instinct. It's a desire we all have. And so we, before we condemn them, let us see that we all have the drum major instinct. We all want to be important to surpass others, to achieve distinction, to lead the parade. He goes on a bit later. And you know, we begin early to ask life to put us first. Our first cry as a baby was a bid for attention. And all through childhood, the drum major impulse or instinct is a major obsession. Children ask life to grant them first place. They are a little bundle of ego. And they have innately the drum major impulse, the drum major instinct. Now in adult life, we still have it. And we really never get by it. We like to do something good, and you know we like to be praised for it. Now, if you don't believe that, you just go on living life, and you'll discover very soon that you like to be praised. Everybody likes it, as a matter of fact. And somehow this warm glow we feel when we are praised or when our name is in print is something of the vitamin A to our ego. Nobody is unhappy when they are praised, even if they know they don't deserve it, or even if they don't believe it. The only unhappy people about praise is when that praise is going too much towards somebody else. But everybody likes to be praised because of this real drum major instinct. And to some degree or another, Dr. King is right. But then Jesus turns around such thinking. Actually, he turns it on its head instead of thinking of being on the top and being praised for it. Early in our reading, when, when James and John goes and asks, makes their request of Jesus, Jesus says, you don't know what you're asking. And they didn't. They didn't know. But now Jesus says something that they do know. They all knew. You know, Jesus said. That among the disciples, there are those who they recognize as their rulers. They lord over them. That same word for Lord here is the same exact word that is used for Jesus is Lord. They lord over them. Their great ones are tyrants over them or exercise authority over them. Notice that word over. Lord over. Exercise authority over. Both of those verbs lift up the notion of over. Those with power and prestige over those who do not have it. That's what the disciples knew because it was all around them. That was life. There were some who were higher and some that were lower. And everybody down below wishes there was some way that they could get up higher. They knew what that was all about. And so do we because we all have that drum major instinct but Jesus turns it all upside down. It's not so among you, Jesus says. Notice Jesus doesn't say it shouldn't be among you. He says it should. No, wait a minute. Sorry. He doesn't say it shouldn't be. 
He says it's not so. In other words, this is how it is, period. That whoever wishes to become great, become your servant. Whoever wishes to be first must be slave of all. Jesus takes that notion of greatness and flips it upside down. He says it's good to aspire to glory, but it only happens instead of going upward, instead of going upward, going downward. To be the drum major in the band of life means to serve whoever might need it, whenever they might need it. And the purpose of doing that isn't to achieve some high end. The purpose of serving is an end in itself. And then Jesus offers himself as that example. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Ransom or rescue. There's different ways of thinking about that. Some of us think that the ransom is to the devil. That Jesus offers his life to the devil to buy us back from the devil. Others think that another theory on this is that Jesus offers his life to get us out of hell. I think what Jesus is saying here, Jesus gives his life to show us the way to true life. That we come to true life by giving up our life in service. Because in serving others, we find life's truest meaning. And resurrection gives the stamp on that. Came across an example of that. I was reading the newspaper online this week, and there was an article from some paper down in Florida. And it was um, talking uh, among different churches down in the Panama City area where Hurricane Michael had hit just that week before. And this was the first Sunday after that horrific hurricane. And they were talking about the conditions in some of the churches. Some of the, most of the churches had just been obliterated, the physical building. There was one congregation, I didn't write down any of the names, that a good number of their church members, nobody knew where they were. So it was a very uncertain time, to say the very least. But one quote I came across, I think one of the ministers of one of those churches said this. He said, one of the best ways to deal with pain is to give of yourself and to go help somebody. There's new life to be found in giving of ourselves for others, in serving others. I think that's what that pastor says. Next week, we're going to finish out our time in Mark with Jesus heading toward Jerusalem. The last two weeks, though, have been what one author calls a crash course and what it means to follow Jesus. Last week, as I referenced earlier, was about dealing with our wealth. And all of us here are wealthy. And what does Jesus say? To go and take it and sell it and give it to the poor. That's hard. And that's something I think all of us are called to wrestle with and not just so readily explain it away. That's the first thing. And then this week is about our desire for importance, for power. And Jesus says, if you want to be important, go and serve. Those are two hard things. But words that lead us to new and abundant life. 
I'd like to take a moment now of a time of reflection. I got a couple of questions, and I hope I was able to get it to you all. Thank you, Rebecca. For you to think on these. Think of a time when someone gave of him or herself for you. Why did that person do that? And how did it make you feel? The second one is think of a way that you might give of yourself to someone else. And I don't mean theoretically, I mean like in this week. What might you do, and why might you do it? I'll give you a couple minutes to think on that. Well, a minute to think on that. I don't know about you, but the more I thought on that and think on that, there are so many examples of number one that I really need to amp up my examples of number two. Maybe you do too. Now let us send.